Our New Testament reading today is in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Luke chapter 2. While you're turning there, um, the, I guess it's a chorus uh, of what child is this? That's uh, my favorite is nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me and for you. Um, That's what we're celebrating. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, music team. And as Ty said, we are so, so grateful for your ministry to us and your service to us. Um, I need to begin with a confession uh, and, and the reason I need to begin with the confession is because um, I, I, I want you to know that, that I or any of your elders would ever intentionally, uh, with malice aforethought, uh, speak an untruth to you. Uh, in the email Friday, I said that the uh, service will probably be about an hour. It's probably not going to be an hour, okay? It's going to be over the hour, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but uh, Ty didn't cut the music, and Justin definitely didn't cut his call to worship, so uh, I'm right in there with him. Uh, now, it won't be your standard sermon length, but uh, we, our service will probably go a little bit over an hour. So I wanted to come clean on that with you and, and be, be, be truthful to you, because that is always your elders' uh, goal. Okay, we may have disagreements or different perspectives or... or uh, uh, different opinions, but we would never speak untruths to each other. Um, Good singing, good singing church. What a joy to sing with you, especially on Christmas Day. And what a joy to see such a a full building. Did not expect this, but I've learned to, with this church family, they always exceed expectations. So I'm I'm a thankful man. I'm a grateful man. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. May he be honored by my feeble words today. 
may uh, everyone here discard anything I say that doesn't matter. But may we receive what you want to say to us. And that's my prayer, Father. Thank you for Christmas. In the name of the Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, in the passage that Ray just read, we see at least six responses to the announcement of the birth of the Savior. And all of these responses have a place in the born-again person's life, even though at least one of the responses were probably from some unsaved people. Uh, But every one of these responses have a definite place in our life. Let's just look at them real quick, and uh, I'll try not to make a whole lot of comment on each one, and then we'll focus on one at the end, okay? Uh, In verse 9, you've got shepherd's response number one. Now, the shepherds, get, get, they get more than one response, okay? You've got shepherd's response number one, which is fear. Even before the actual announcement, the angel immediately tells them to fear not because what they are about to hear is the best news ever, good news of great joy. But the event started off with the response of fear, Now, this is probably the one that is missing the most in our day. Generally speaking, there is no fear of God in our nation. Later this week, I'm going to be sending you an article about what the church and God's people are to do when our government leaders abandon their fear of God, which, which they pretty much have. So be looking for that. Second response we see is in verse 14. You've got the angelic response, or the response of the heavenly host, which is glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. This anthem expresses why God does everything that he does, namely, for his glory. This must be the dominating theme and chorus of our lives. My prayer for each and every one of us is that we would live for the glory of God who sent his son to save us and deliver us so that we could do that. Remember the comparison we made last week. We were born to live for the glory of God until we die. Jesus was born to die so that we could live for the glory of God. May we say with Paul, as he wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, full courage, that's going to be needed in the days to come, With full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored, glorified. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether I live or die, may God be honored. May Jesus be glorified. 
Response number three, we back to the shepherds. Shepherds' response number two, we see in verse 17. It's proclamation. Proclamation. If we uh, look at that and we see what it says there again in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. They made it known. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Well, what had been told them concerning the child? Well, he's a Savior. He's a Savior. And he, they made that known. So the response of proclamation. In other words, the Word of God came to these humble men. I mean, directly. Direct Word. The Word of God came to these humble men and the worship of God was revealed to them in the angelic praises. They received God's Word as truth, which we should be doing continuously every day of our lives. They received God's Word as truth and acted upon it. They sought Jesus and made His acquaintance. And then they went out and told others about this amazing act of God. Okay, so, so far we've got fear, fear of the Lord, glory to God in the highest, proclamation, first three responses to this glorious event of Christmas. Number four, we got Mary's response in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I call this the response of affectionate meditation. Affectionate meditation. Have you just sat there after reading the scriptures or doing your devotional or, or hearing someone or reading a Scotty Smith prayer or, or Alistair Begg devotional what, or Charles Spurgeon morning by morning, evening by evening, whatever it may be. Have you ever just sat there and affectionately meditated on what you've just read or what you've just heard? affectionately meditated on, the, on, meditated on the beauty and wonder of Jesus. Mary pondered in her mind and treasured in her heart the great works of God in her life and for the world. So the question for us as we begin a new year, how much time do we spend pondering and affectionately meditating on God and His Word and His works and His precious Son who came to deliver us what a great example Mary is for us. Response number five, verse 20, shepherd's response number three, okay? So the shepherds have half of these responses. Shepherd's response number three in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, went back to what they were doing. That's interesting, you know. Some people are called to seminary. Some people are called to the ministry, but some people are called just to keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep striving in the vocation that God has given you. Adding this ministry of proclamation. Adding this fear of the Lord. And adding this one. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So response number five, shepherds response number three is worship. They glorified and praised God. Listen, <clears throat> this is always, underline always, 
This is always the response of people who come to know Jesus. Always. There are no exceptions. You don't say you've come to Jesus. You don't say you believe in Jesus, but not worship him. This is always the response, 100% of the time. Jesus told the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, that God seeks what? True worshipers. God seeks true worshipers. Not people that are already worshiping. He seeks dead people. He seeks sinful people. He seeks people dead in their sins, gives them a new heart, and they become true worshipers. Always. Always. No exception. Always. Please understand that. When God finds lost people and delivers them from their sin, they always become worshipers. Always. Always. There's no exceptions. Don't be looking for the exception clause. There's not any. There's not one. Not a single one. Born again people worship God. It's that simple. That simple. You don't have to be a theologian to understand that. When you are saved, you worship the one who saved you. Finally, verse 18, we get the hearer's response. Now, this probably includes a lot of lost people, okay? But look what they do, verse 18. And all who heard it, heard what the shepherds were saying, all who heard the proclamation of the shepherds, all who heard it wondered. They wondered at what the shepherds were saying. They wondered at what the shepherds told them. The Greek word is thalmatso. In the New Testament, it is translated in several ways. To wonder, as it is here, to be astonished, to be amazed, to be surprised, and to be astounded. But it's most often translated in the New Testament as marvel. Marvel. Examples. When Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples marveled. When Jesus cast out a demon, the crowd marveled. When Jesus healed people, the crowd was in wonder and glorified the God of Israel. When Jesus caused the fig tree to wither, the disciples marveled. Pharisees who were always trying to trick Jesus marveled at his answers. The disciples marveled when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. The Jews marveled at Jesus' knowledge. During Jesus' mockery of a trial, Pilate and the authorities were amazed that Jesus did not answer. The disciples marveled when they saw the resurrected Christ. When Jesus returns, believers will all marvel at him. In other words, throughout the gospel, very consistently, we see people amazed at the person and work of Jesus. Both believers and non-believers. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9-6, as we've already hammered very diligently already in this service, said that his name would be Wonderful Counselor. 
Interesting note here for you Hebrew scholars. The Hebrew for wonderful there, you'd think it would be an adjective. But it sounds like a modifier. He's a counselor that's wonderful. He's a wonderful. No, it's a noun. The Hebrew word is actually a noun. So it's more than just a modifier. It's actually a part of the name. The various meanings of the Hebrew word for wonderful include these. To be separate. To be distinguished. To be singular. To be extraordinary. To be miraculous. To be astonishing. To act miraculously. To act marvelously to show oneself extraordinary to be incomprehensible to be beyond understanding do all those meanings describe jesus or what think about it he is separate from sinners he is the marvelous one fairest of ten thousand he is singular the only begotten Son of God. There is no one else like Jesus. He is in a class all by himself. There is no other name. His name is the singular name by which a person can be saved. He is singular. He is in a category all by himself. He is the exclusive one and only Savior and Son of God. His conception was miraculous, and he did miraculous acts. He consistently and constantly astonished people with his actions and his perfect wisdom. His authority distinguished him from all the other teachers. So if Jesus' name is wonderful... And the constant testimony of the Gospels is that people were always amazed by him and his actions. Even unsaved people. Why then? Why then are so many 21st century professing Christians so ho-hum about him? So nonchalant. So cool and seemingly indifferent, so sleepy and noncommittal. Why is that? That's a good pondering question for the new year. It's pretty obvious that the human heart craves this emotion or this attitude or this mindset. Our hearts and our minds need Desperately to be awed by something. We hunger for magnificence. We long to be around something that is wonderful. We love big and amazing things. Hollywood knows this. That's why they make blockbuster movies. Deep down, we know it. We love going to Niagara Falls and, and Grand Canyon and the ocean and the mountains. We love big, breathtaking things. Deep down, the church knows it. Church growth experts and seeker-friendly churches are always 
trying to come up with a new and exciting way to do church. They bring in bells and and whistles and smoke and lights and fancy high-tech audiovisual systems to wow and amaze people. So deep down, they know it. They know the human heart needs this. So dear church family and guests that are here today, thank you for being here. How wonderful is Jesus to you? How wonderful is he to you? Are you in awe of him? Are you amazed that he left glory and took on flesh and blood? Just like your flesh and blood? So he could be nailed on a cross in your place? Are you amazed that he lived a perfectly sinless life? Are you amazed that nature obeyed his commands? Are you amazed that he demonstrated absolute power over demons? That he raised people from the dead with his voice? Just his voice. Are you in wonder that he had the power to forgive your sins? Are you blown away that he healed people immediately? Immediately. Are you amazed that he gave sight to the blind and he made the lame to walk? Are you astonished that he would love us while we were his enemies? Do you marvel that he died for sinners like you and me to prove that love? Are you amazed that he absorbed an eternity's worth of wrath for every single believer in the space of three hours? Do you marvel that he rose from the dead? Are you astonished that he would intercede in heaven for the same sinners he died for? Are you amazed that he would sympathize with our weaknesses That he would never leave us or forsake us. That he would be patient and understanding and sympathetic toward us. And that he's coming back to consummate his kingdom. Does that blow you away? Will you be among that number that is marveling at that event that Paul talks about in 1st or 2nd Thessalonians? I forget. I've struggled with how to end this. I've already gone longer than I promised. It's kind of hard to stop talking about Jesus. But we are right at 58 minutes, so we're close. But I'll say this. Well, I'll say what David said. Psalm 139, verse 14. Wonderful are your works. That's our theme, right? Wonderful are your works. And then he says... My soul knows it very well. Key phrase, my soul. I think here it is, gang. Being properly in awe and wonder of God and seeing Jesus as uniquely, singularly wonderful is something that happens in a person's soul. It happens on the inside. 
It's an eternal work of God on the soul of man that cannot be faked, no matter how hard you try. It cannot be faked on the outside. It explains why so many professing believers and churchgoers are basically bored with Jesus. While they snooze or goof around when the preacher is talking about him. I'll close with an old Puritan prayer. O source of all good, what shall I render to thee for the gift of gifts? Thine own dear son, begotten, not created. My redeemer, proxy, surety, and substitute. His self-emptying, incomprehensible infinity of love beyond the heart's grasp. Herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above. Was born like me that I might become like him. Oh God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy. And hearing, believe, rejoice, Praise, adore, my conscience bathed in an ocean of rest, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled Father and to a righteous and sovereign and holy judge who is now my Savior, brother, and friend. In Jesus, thou hast given me so much, I need nothing more. Let's pray together. Our Father, we need nothing more. You've given us Jesus, your Son, our Savior, our Redeemer, the gift of gifts, the gift that is indescribable. May we, your people, be properly in awe and wonder of Him. That's our prayer, Father, in His majestic, wonderful name. Amen.